Washington is 13 and 0. They're in the college football playoff. They're the number 2 seed and yet they they might be undervalued, you know, again. You are locked on Pac-12. Your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply with my guy here, Roman Tomashoff of Locked on Huskies. This is a crossover edition of Locked on Pac-12 and Locked on Huskies as well. So hello to all the fine people over at uh, Locked on UW over there. Some of you may know who I am. Some of you may not. If not, I apologize for what you're about to experience here in advance. But Roman, going into uh, the Pac-12 championship game, Washington was a nine and a half point underdog. And going into their college football playoff semifinal matchup with Texas, they're a four and a half point underdog. It opened at five and a half. I don't actually think this is a bad thing for the Huskies at all or something for the fans to feel bad about because it clearly puts a chip on their shoulder. Spencer, it's it's definitely not a bad thing. First of all, great great to have you. You know, back here as we can do another crossover here. Uh, I, I I will say for for better or for worse, there were multiple people in the lockdown Huskies comments clamoring to do another collab with you at some point soon. <laughs> I we don't we don't need to go into that with out of out of respect. But uh, no, it's it, I you're you're absolutely right that this is this is definitely a good thing. And as you and I uh, talked about with with our our good friend Lars Hansen last week that Washington doesn't mind being the underdog. And let's take it a step further than that, because not only are they the underdog, they have to go into Texas's backyard once again after having to do it last year to play them in the Alamo Bowl, which, uh, to quote our buddy Mike Varela over the Seattle Times, is about seven feet from Austin. Um, it's 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 kind of ridiculous, as Lars and I talked a little bit about on a special Sunday edition of Lockdown Huskies, that Washington has to once again just kind of, you know, make this long trip to basically play a road game because that's that's almost what this is. But I really don't think that Washington has any problem with being the underdog. Once again, they've been the underdog twice this season. They were uh, one point underdogs going down to Oregon State. That moved up to uh, and two and a half. Actually, that line got out to two. Oh, and that's and a right. Half. It did. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And then they were nine and a half point underdogs just this last Friday against the Oregon Ducks. Uh, so I really don't think that they have any issue with it. And to, to quote Jamarcus Shepard, we we love being the underdog. We hope they talk bad about our, our players' girlfriends, about their families, about whatever else, because we love playing in these kinds of environments. So. Yeah. And, you know, last year, you know, the Alamo Bowl, not quite as big a stakes as what you're going to have in in the Sugar Bowl, but the, the distance factor, I think, is really the only thing that makes me come back to the conversation about should Washington have been number one or should Michigan have been number one. For my money, it should have been Washington. Now, I didn't expect it to be based on what this just genius-laden committee has 
done week after week and all throughout the year. And by the way, I don't know who their PR person is, but he or she is not preparing Boo Corrigan very well to go talk in front of one of these being a microphone. Thank you. Um, now, now, look, I think the committee got it right by putting in Bama over Florida State. Not everybody shares that opinion. I get it. I can have that opinion and also recognize that discussing Liberty going into the Fiesta Bowl instead of SMU and beginning with the phrase, well, Liberty just continued to win. It's just like the, the, like, like, dude, do you think before you speak, like put some filler words in there so that you can think in your head for just a couple seconds about what you're about to say, but that that's a different, a different conversation here. So I thought that Washington had a better resume than Michigan because Washington has got two top 10 wins. And imagine, just imagine a world in which the Big Ten doesn't have divisions like every other logical conference in the world. Divisions are dumb. They're absolutely pointless. Now, in an 18-team conference, I can actually justify them. But again, they're really, really dumb. So with that said, imagine a world in which Michigan beats Ohio State 30-24, to as they did, and then two weeks later, beats them again by, let's say, the same margin. Let's say it's uh, 27 to 21. What exactly would the narrative be about Michigan at that point in time? Because I know that Oregon fell in the rankings. They've got the second loss, and that is, of course, bound to happen. And perhaps I am biased here. However, here's a hot take I have. I think Oregon's a really good team, and Washington just outplayed them on Friday. And I was more impressed with the Huskies win in Las Vegas than I was with their win in Seattle, where I felt like they, you know, snatched one away from the Ducks situationally. And they didn't, you know, they were better situationally than Oregon on on Friday in certain aspects. Oregon was better in that respect. But I thought that Friday's performance was a more complete game from Washington on both sides of the ball than the game back in October. And if Michigan was behind somebody in the polls, and played Ohio State a second time and played them better than they did the first time when they played them at home, I think they would have been rewarded handsomely for that. And I think Washington, you know, was at some level, I guess, going from three to two, but that doesn't actually change the matchup really. And I think there was a real case to be number one. And that is now coming back to, you know, bite Washington in a sense that they have to go all the way to Atlanta instead of going down to play in the Rose Bowl. So first of all, in that hypothetical world where Michigan beats Ohio State twice, does all that, looks better in the second one, they would be spotted a touchdown against Alabama. Boo Corrigan would say, yeah, yeah, we're going to give them seven points to start the game. That's what we're going to do here. You're you're 100% right. Um, But I – as so as somebody who's from Los Angeles, what about dreams growing up as somebody who's watched this team all my life? Yeah, this is a bummer. I'd always – always wanted to cover Washington in a Rose Bowl. That was a dream of mine from, for, for, for a very, Did you not very do it in 2018. I went as a fan. Oh, okay. um, so different story, still wonderful experience. Uh, but it was a v- very different from actually being able to work it. I, I was still in college at the time. Very, just very, very different experience for me, what I was doing career wise. But, um, so I'm I'm pretty bummed about that, but you're but you're absolutely right because Washington did look better in the second matchup, just with the way that they just you know just this is the the most complete game 
uh, Lars and I talked about a little bit on our Sunday edition, but this is the most complete game we've seen this Husky team play in a very, very, very long time. Some of it probably has to do a little bit with, with the health. And I know we're going to get more into some of these things as the show goes along, but some of it probably a little bit to do with the health. And some of it probably just had to do with Kalen DeBoer making sure that even on a short week, and because that, that shouldn't be lost on anybody too. They do this on a, on a short week. Oregon got the the extra day's rest to Washington has to turn around on, on six days and, and be able to do this, or almost five really. But Kalen DeBoer just always has his team ready for these big games. And I just couldn't be more impressed. And it's why I made a, a I'm going to call it a bold prediction. And I'm just going to double down on it here for anybody who didn't watch our post-game show that by the time the Sugar Bowl is played, Kalen DeBoer will have a new contract with the Washington Huskies. That part isn't bold, but it's going to be worth north of $9 million per year. Nine? I mean, I think he's absolutely earned it, by the way. I don't. Has Washington ever paid that a coach that much? I'm, 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 I'm telling you that this. Uh, so it's a, it's a bold prediction, but uh, I, I, I can, I can mm, very, mm, very much. See I see where you're going with that. Okay, I see, I see the, I see, I see the look you, you kind of gave me there. But uh, I'm, I'm with you on Washington putting their best foot forward in that conference championship game. And we need to talk about why that that gives Husky fans confidence going into this game against Texas, which we'll look to as well. If you're looking for your next hire, then LinkedIn is indeed the place to go. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. Just like all these schools that are hiring new coaches this offseason, I bet you they're using LinkedIn jobs because LinkedIn jobs has the, has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. That's their whole mission. And that's why you should go check them out. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply. All right, let's get back into it, Roman. So I thought that back in October, Washington played a good football game. I don't think they played a great football game. I think their defense was way, I mean, way better against Oregon on, on Friday night in Las Vegas. I thought they dominated the line of scrimmage in a way, particularly defending the run that they didn't back in October. And, and I think the biggest thing as well, like the offense played the way that, you know, I heard Panics joking after the game, like, I don't know why everybody says I'm injured. Like, I'm good. He, he certainly looked good. He, he looked like yeah. the Michael Penix that was a Heisman front runner once upon a time over the course of the season. Unfortunately for him, I, I think that he has a pretty slim chance to win the Heisman trophy. It's probably going to be Jaden Daniels here, but I want to talk about the Washington defense because that's what impressed me the most was, you know, Oregon's offense had been absolutely rolling week after week, and they'd especially come out and gotten off to strong starts. And they began the game offensively with back-to-back three and outs. And that was largely because Washington was physical up front, but also Roman, the secondary tackled at a rate that they just hadn't in the prior two meetings with Oregon. And that was a big difference in the game. Not, not even just the prior two meetings with Oregon, with the prior, just about everybody on their schedule. 
Because even if we look at the game against Washington State, we look at watching them trying to tackle Damian Martinez in the, the matchup with Oregon State the week before, and in the first half against Utah, too. This is the exact same thing. And just kind of, and I, I really don't want to say I was surprised, but I was. And it, it, and it was a, it's a nice surprise to see that now with this team going to, to the Sugar Bowl, of course. But it was just kind of a, all right, like, where, where has this been all year? And it's great to see it. You love it. And I, I, you know, I want to credit some of it to the, just the health that keeps returning to this team where there are more members of the secondary that were available in this game that we've seen in quite a while with Asa Turner and Cameron Fabiculon and both being able to play back there. But it really extended just beyond them too, where the linebackers were wrapping up and tackling. There were a couple of times where like Bucky Irving, I like, I've never seen him go down just that quickly. Like I, it, I was, I was really shocked by that. And it's really great to see because this is the kind of momentum you need going into the Sugar Bowl, going into the college football playoff to play against Texas. And one thing that I'm really going to be watching in that game is the health of Xavier Worthy. It sounds like it's a high ankle sprain for him, just from some people that I've talked to. So we'll kind of um, see what see, see what happens on on that front. And that's that, like really, if they can continue tackling at this rate with their offense clicking the way that it did against Oregon's defense, which had also been rolling Spencer. Um, then I, I really think that this team has a legitimate shot to win it all. Yeah. I, I think they do as well. If the defense plays the way they did uh, against the ducks, I think the question here is can Washington put together a game like that against somebody who is in Oregon? And I think it's a fair question to ask because by far their two best performances of the year have been, against Oregon. There's a rivalry factor. There's a personal fact, right? Like th that component, I don't think can be overlooked. I don't wonder whether or not Washington's going to be up for the game, but you know, that rivalry can give you that different level of focus. I think that is likely to be introduced in the context of you have a chance to play for a national championship if you win this football game. But that is what Washington is looking for here is play the way that you play against Oregon. And that's a damn good football team play the way you did against several other teams this year. And Texas could show why, you know, Vegas thinks they should be favored in the game. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's actually exactly kind of what I wanted to say there, where I think it's that level, like the level of focus, I think it extended a little bit beyond Oregon, even in that game where it's, this is why all these guys came back. I know it's something you and I have talked about previously, where it's, they all came back for this goal. They use the term singularity a lot. Uh, in some of like the videos and everything they do where the coaching staff talks about what is the singularity. And the singularity is that this team wants to win a national championship. That is the goal. That is the singular goal of all of these guys. And there were times where, you know, it felt like, oh, I, I don't know if this team can do it, where you look at some of these matchups, like watching the defense play in the first half against Utah or watching the offense struggle in the second half against Oregon State where, and just watching the the Apple Cup. Where it's, oh man, this 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 looks really rough. And and that's why all the Oregon fans were, I mean, in a, in a way, rightfully so, just like, oh, well, they're, Washington shouldn't even show up. And, I mean, you know, it might have been better for, for Oregon fans if they didn't. I, I, I had to get one in, Spencer. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's warranted. I mean, it's it's warranted. Like, there's no comeback to it at this point in time. It's like, it's one fair. three in a row, you won the biggest matchup ever? Huh? Well, to the <laughs> victors go the spoils. That's fair. It, it kind of is what it is at this point. But that's – but. The, that goal is just what they were all focused on and you could see it. And now it's, 
yeah, I, I really, I was gonna make a really corny sugar bowl reference if you can taste it. Um, <laughs> just like I, I, if it was the Rose Bowl, I definitely would have said you could smell it. I'm sorry. Um, but no, it's but that that's that's what it is. Where um, they're they're so close to that goal now. They are two games away from it. You can't overlook this game. Lars and I get accused of overlooking games at, at sometimes uh, by 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 some some people in the YouTube comments where that's not what we're saying. We say this, but they are so close to that goal. And it seems that the coaching staff understands that the players understand that because they're all here to do this one job. And that just seems to have brought this extra gear out of this team where this is how they were clicking in the first month of the season. And now that it's that close, it, it seems to be back, which is a really exciting thing to think about for, for any fan. Yeah. I, I think in that game, you know, Michael Penix early on, I, I think I was wondering, like, boy, is he still just kind of a little off when he missed that walk-in touchdown to Jalen McMillan? Like, that was his worst throw. That was even worse than the interception. The interception, he was at least facing some pressure. But on third and five, for those who don't remember the play I'm talking about, Washington's facing a third and five, and they run a double move. Oregon is, I think, in cover zero, or at least there was no safety shaded to that side of the field. McMillan runs an out and up. Evan Williams bites hard on the out route to take it away. McMillan runs up the sideline. There's nobody there. And I mean, Penix missed him by what, eight, 10 yards. Like it, it, it wasn't even close. And so you're wondering, Oh, does he really have an injury? Is he not there? But then as he settled into the game, he started making the throws that early Heisman favorite, Michael Penix was making all the time. Just, I, I think the one that was most impressive, there were a couple for sure, but there was one, to a Dunze, I think he was matched yeah, up with, uh, with Taishim Johnson. It was on a deep corner was, or a deep out route at about the 50 where he's coming across line. the field, right? No, not that one. That was that was okay. that, that was my number two throw. My number one throw was the one where he's matched up with Taishim Johnson because I think he beat Dante Manning on that long. Oh yes, route, yes, which yes, was yes. also a great throw. Yeah, and he is running either a corner or a deep out, and it is you know. 25, 30 yards up the field and probably about, you know, a 45 degree angle that Penix is throwing the ball and he puts it, I mean, right on the money to the sideline. And once he made that throw, I thought to myself, oh, okay, he's fine. He like, he is, he is truly fine and able to make those sorts of throws that that have made him such a good quarterback over the last two seasons. So I will say, cause I, I, and I understand where you're coming from just kind of in that, that same, like just, just in that, in that viewpoint. So those were throws that even like way back in spring ball, not like by that margin, but those were balls we've seen him miss from time to time. And it's something that, um, just someone as, as somebody who covers his team, I've kind of gotten used to the fact that the more the game goes on, the more he's just kind of able to settle in, especially on those deep balls. Where it's early out of practice, it's oh Jalen McMillan had a step there and he missed him on uh, that that same one where he missed him by a lot. And I, I know they they were saying oh well, there was contact like and that could have been a reason like timing was thrown off or whatever. Not saying that that was the reason before that, but there there have been a lot of times where Mike has just missed really early on in the game and then found a way to dial it in. And in some of these more recent matchups, that's what we really didn't see was that later on like oh like that that dial in. Where we saw, like, I'm going to go back to the Utah game here again, where that second touchdown to Roma Dunze, which was on a rope to him yep. over the middle. Great throw. Where it's, oh, yeah, that throw was dialed in. But then the offense didn't really do much after that. Whereas, okay, well, where where was that? Where, where, where was that consistency? And then just kind of from that point on, I feel like that, that really was a turning point in that game, Spencer, where 
from that point on, we really didn't see him miss on a lot of those deep balls. Yeah. And I think that that is such a key to this Washington offense, but there are other keys as well as we, as we make an early look ahead to Texas. An early look ahead to Texas tells you that according to our friends at FanDuel, the line is Longhorns minus four and a half. At least as we are recording the show, maybe it has changed since since then. If you love the Huskies, which if you're listening to the show, you may very well uh, happen to enjoy, you can go bet that over at FanDuel because that's America's number one sports book. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers also stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. They've got a great interface and a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Again, Washington underdog. If you like them, by all means, seems like free money if you happen to be correct. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season as well. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, so let's do an early look ahead to this Texas game. And, and one other thing that showed up in a big way against Oregon was Washington's ability to have a balanced attack. And if they are balanced, against Texas and that great Texas got a great defensive front. I've been really impressed with them this year. If they're able to pin their ears back, that's a big time test for this Washington offensive line, which played a hell of a football game against Oregon. I mean, the ducks were blitzing and they've got a lot of really good pass rushers and they just weren't getting home consistently. Penix was sacked twice, but the pressure was not consistent enough to stop Washington from being able to load up the deep shots. But Dylan Johnson has I will not be surprised if he's all Pac-12 by the time at some level, at least on the second team. I, I mean, he should at least be second team this year. He's been Absolutely. really good, and he's been really good since league play began. Because at the start of the year, the narrative was, "Well, you know, Washington doesn't run the football; they just throw it all the time," and that and that was true. But as the year so went he was on, also still hurt at the time. That's a good so point. He, good, good yeah. point. He's been, yeah, he's that's, been working his way back from a knee thing for the, for, for right. the first month. He looked fully healthy, and Oregon was having a really difficult time tackling him. I mean, he was going, he was getting yards after contact on almost every single play, it felt like. And when that element is introduced, the Washington offense with that O-line that has been so good this year, boy, that's a, that is a tough offense to stop. Oh, absolutely. And Spencer, uh, this this is also going to hurt you. Do you want to hear something about Dylan Johnson? In the I, don't, game? I don't know if I do. I don't know if I he do. He's not I, healthy I, in that game. Um, he really, was, yeah. So if, if there, there are some angles on the broadcast where you can see him just very clearly like labored in pain. So I think we might've talked about this on our pregame show a little bit, uh, in the Oregon state game, he actually got cleated in the fourth quarter. He got stepped on real bad, uh, on, I, I believe it's his right foot. He looked and, pretty darn uh, good on Friday. Yeah. So he, he, oh, he looked, he looked absolutely just spe- spectacular running the football, but when he was on the sideline, there were a couple plays where during timeouts, you can kind of see him labored. You can see him in pain a little bit. And there were questions if he was going to suit up for the Apple Cup. There were no questions if he was going to suit up for this game. But he was not at 100% just in terms of what you were able to see on the broadcast. Or like from what we were able to see on the broadcast, you could see that he was clearly just hobbled a little bit and still just able to, to tough it out, which is so impressive. He's a really, really impressive kid to watch. And you're, you're 100% right. If Washington can establish the run with him, then Texas is going to be off balance all night. And then getting, because another thing you and I have talked about previously, 
Washington now has its full complement of receivers back. And one of the biggest things that showed up that we didn't see in the first matchup against um, Oregon was Jalen McMillan down the field because mm-hmm. they didn't have that. Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk were still excellent in that first matchup, but that extra element of having Jalen McMillan down there, just that's really what makes this Washington offense just take it to that next level. They're still really good, but to that super elite top three passing offense in the nation, that's what Jalen McMillan adds to this group. Another thing that Husky fans, I think, have to be confident about right now is the secondary and the way that they played against Oregon. And this is a pass defense that straight up has not been good this year. They're, I think, ninth in the Pac-12, eighth. Not, like it's, It has not been good. But again, going back to what we were discussing earlier, they showed up and played their, from what I, I, I saw at least, their best game of the season. When you consider the stakes, when you consider the talent that they were going up against, they had one heck of a football game. And I, I thought there, I mean, Jabbar Muhammad, we knew was really, really good, but everybody else, the tackling, the coverage, it was all there. And it's going to have to be again, because Steve Sarkeesian is a really, really clever play caller at getting his guys the ball in space. And they also have some really, really talented receivers that, you know, like Oregon, you have to be able to bring down and prevent yak, or you can have problems defensively. Absolutely. The name of their tight end is escaping me too. Just get in, in that same group. He's a super talented player. I like him a lot, uh, but no, he's you no know, Terrence like, Ferguson, but you know, I, I didn't, I, <laughs> I, 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 I want, I want to talk about his, his, his devastating knee injuries in the first game, but I'm, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, forgot I about um, that. yeah, <laughs> I hate that stuff so much. Okay. Okay. Continue. Right. <laughs> but uh no and and so so but you're absolutely right and i think that one of the reasons so washington secondary has been a little bit better than the numbers have shown throughout the season they still give up a lot of yards i'm not knocking that point at all and there have been points where it's really frustrating to see some of the things like what happened against wazoo like that touchdown right before the half uh like there, there are still those plays where it's oh man what, what is that but Washington actually had the uh, most attempts against their secondary by a pretty wide margin this season uh, which is just an interesting stat to go look at. It's something that was pointed out to me. I think it was before the Wazoo game where it's, oh, didn't really notice that before uh, in terms of what this defense has done this year, but they were so impressive in that game. You're right. And now it's about keeping that momentum going. And I, I'm very curious to see if the tackling can stay. I the Jabbar has been so talented and he's so talented. I think he's going to make a really great NFL player one day. And I just, I'm really curious to see now that the secondary is going to be fully healthy, what it can look like with more Cameron Fabiculon in the secondary, who was really, really good to open the year. Uh, Asa Turner seemed to really provide an impact, especially in run support and coming downhill. Him and Dom Hampton have been really good back there. Uh, Mikel Esteen is somebody who I've been really impressed with watching him evolve as a true free safety, which is something that I really like. Asa, I really like Dom. I don't think that's what they're best at. I think that Mikel Esteen can be a true over-the-top ball-hawking kind of free safety, and that's where he's he's best because I don't really like seeing him down in man coverage sometimes. He's had some trouble there at times. But I really love seeing him as just an over-the-top guy, and having him take away some of those deep routes would be really impressive. And But to your point, it's also making sure that you get those guys on the ground. That's going to be huge. But one thing, Spencer, that I think is going to be really interesting in this game is back on the uh, on Texas's defense is uh, Jeff Cho. Jeff Choate has been, uh, it looks like he's going to be hired as 
Nevada's next head coach. And I want to see where, I don't know if that's going to have a huge impact, but coaching changes, you know, you, you never kind of know what that's, what that's going to look like. And that's something I'm going to be really intrigued to see. Do yeah. You know, I mean, Cassidy's still a play caller. So they, they, they can, you're talking about showed is their uh, defensive coordinator for Texas. He's the co-DC with, with Kwiatkowski. Yeah. The co-DC. Okay. So I think that when it's the head coach, like Willie Fritz at Tulane, it can make it, it can make an impact. However, Dan Lanning was announced as the hire for Oregon a few weeks before he went on to coordinate a national championship run. So I think for a coordinator, it, particularly a defensive one, I, I don't know if it makes as big of, of an impact. You know, even just thinking of an example with the Ducks, like Kenny Dillingham, you know, had taken the Arizona State job, announced it right after the Oregon State game last year, which was an absolute disaster for the Ducks. But in that game, the offense put up 34 points. They got held on a first and goal inside the 10-yard line, and, and that certainly was not great. However, 34 points should be enough to win you the football game. Like, that game wasn't on the offense. you know. So I, if I'm a Washington fan, I wouldn't look too much into that, especially if he's a co-defensive coordinator. I, I think the game comes down to you know a, a couple of things, but most notably how Washington's defense plays against that Texas offense, which, by the way, is playing with a lot of confidence itself. Absolutely. Quinn Ewers just went. Did you see his first half stats? He has what three hundred and fifty yards, three fifty, and I think four touchdowns in 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 the first half. And look, I have been beating the drum any chance I get. I host a show covering the Pac twelve, of course, but I have is. beaten the drum that uh, <laughs> yeah that that Oklahoma State is not actually good. But I don't care who you're playing. Three fifty and a half. Texas is feeling pretty good offensively. I, I think it should be an awesome, awesome game. Uh, I think we'll wrap it there for for today, Roman. Unless you got any other uh, final thoughts for this one? Oh, either you know, I, I I think one thing that I'm I'm also going to be really interested in, and just to kind of wrap, put a point on the, the whole tackling thing, is the Jonathan Brooks factor not being in this game. I know Texas has still found ways to run the ball. But just Washington last year didn't have to face Bijan uh, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, and they had to face Jonathan Brooks. Uh, now with no Jonathan Brooks, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how Washington's defense is is just going to kind of just say, all right, we're going to let we're going to we're going to say, okay, we dare you to run the ball. Let's see how that goes, especially with um, more more health stuff, right? Like a healthy Tui Latuli Gasanoa up front. Uh, Carson Bruner. It looked like he got a little dinged up in the Oregon game, but seems to be okay. And especially with three weeks off, I I'm, I wouldn't be too concerned about his status, especially listening to what Kalen DeBoer had to say a little bit earlier today. But I'm just I'm really curious to see how Washington's defensive staff decides uh, they're they're going to play this Texas offense. That'll do it for us today on this crossover edition of Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Huskies. I'm Spencer McLaughlin. That is Roman Tomashoff. Fun stuff as always, my man. Appreciate you. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.